Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 95. Before I start, just advance notice that it'd be good if you could have your previous writing for this course to hand, or at least some of it, because I'm going to ask you to choose a piece in just a tick. So you don't need me to tell you, and yet here I am telling you regardless, as if out of spite, that our time together will soon be coming to an end, at least as far as this period of writing mentorship is concerned. It's been a, a long journey, yet strangely all too brief. Remember when a hundred sessions seemed like an impossible, infinite number? And then, snap, it's, it, it's nearly over. There's probably a lesson in that. I don't know, obviously I don't know, how your work on your chosen project went, whether you've been left itching to get on with it, surprised by what you've discovered, or if you dutifully plodded through it because I asked you to, but, but really don't feel any special love or excitement towards what you've produced. Or some other variation uh, uh, plucked from the gleaming rainbow of human emotional responses. Any of those, as I apparently never tire of saying, are, are valid. I'm not trying to steer you down one particular route, although you would think I was, right? Like, I mean, obviously... You know, I'd, I'd rather you weren't doing this whole course thinking, gosh, this is pointless, isn't Tim an idiot? But um, that might be your experience and you pretending to yourself that it's not wouldn't make, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't really help you, right? So, you know, this isn't a pass-fail scenario anyway, whatever you've been feeling about individual pieces you've written. But I hope in the process of working on something larger with more moving parts, a somewhat funkier and more complex piece of text, you've hopefully learned a little about the uh, creative and editing processes and maybe perhaps I dare to venture a little about yourself too. Though, I, you know, having said that, I'm immediately going to sort of claw it back. Um, I'd always counsel against your coming to any final conclusions about, bunny quotes, what sort of writer you are, end bunny quotes. You may have tendencies, habit energies, uh, current preferences, sure, but it'd be a shame I personally think, if you ever closed off possibilities in some absolute way. Keeping the door open to ways of working that aren't your usual ones is healthy, in my humble and not uncommonly wrong opinion. As humans, we're always changing, inevitably so, although I'll be the first to admit I often don't want to admit that's happening. And and sometimes I think a thing we think we don't like, or that we can't do, or doesn't suit us, turns out, when we revisit it, to be just the ticket for a particular moment in our lives, or a new challenge. I'm aware um, it might sound like I'm easing you towards some kind of creepy sexual proposition, so I'll just park this particular rhetorical wagon and change horses. For our last six sessions together, um, but I'm, I'm by last, I don't mean the ones we've just done. I mean, we're literally coming to the, the, the last six sessions. Um, I thought we'd return to doing some fun light exercises to refresh you and to send you off into the world with a sense of experimentation and play. The danger, I personally think, with closing on some sort of big multi-part project and then my saying, well done, you've graduated, is it implies the course represents a natural linear upwards progression from frivolous beginner exercises like lists and free writing, pa, to the quote-unquote proper grown-up business of churning out giant projects. If you start thinking like that, you are in, my friend, my noble, noble companion for a poo-poo time. Because basically you're accepting this premise that real writing is serious and complicated and that working on anything that isn't your official main project is, is is some kind of silly waste of time. 
when in fact all these exercises we've been working through, all the stages of the course, although I've presented them to you sequentially, are actually things you can and should do in parallel uh, or, you know, in a circle or whatever spatial metaphor works for you. you. They essentially represent a virtuous spiral of mutually reinforcing practices, just in the same way you don't stop doing exercises because you've run a race or you stop doing stretches you know like all of these things they're not things you leave behind once you move to the next slightly more complex stage they're things that benefit from each other they work in synergy short silly exercises you know writing sprints free writes creative games all these actors you know trampoline parks for your imagination low risk arenas where you can pull crazy stunts and if you come a cropper there's a crash mat to bear the brunt you want nay need space in your routine to make glorious polychromatic mistakes you know big explosions of color and nonsense remember originality looks like and in some cases you know literally is a mistake it's it's new so it must perforce on some level be processed as a category error if you stop doing these little weird exercises and doodles and 10-minute tests, it's like cutting funding to all your country's universities and pumping that money into supporting light industry. Initially, sure, you'll see a boost in output, but in the long run, all the innovations that drive your factories and production lines that generate the products for them to make will dry up. And you'll be like, oh, why can't I make anything anymore? Because you killed your long-term investment. And that, sorry, is not meant to be some kind of weird dig against light industry or saying, actually, universities are more important than light industry. It's like you need both, right? If you have just the universities, then eventually people... Then the university can't exist because you can't build it. You can't replace anything. You can't have any... And, and we're not using it for anything except a talking shop for theories, right? But, I, you know, like, I guess what I'm saying is I realise doing the silly warm-up exercises can feel, some days, especially if it goes, you know, find it a little bit tricky, it can feel a bit like a superstition, you know, because the connection between them and your ability to produce chapters of a novel, for example, isn't always clear. And not all authors do them, right? Like, we know that. So they're obviously not strictly necessary. No, they're not necessary. No art is but I do think they'll make your writing life easier and happier. And I do think they'll make your writing better, bolder and more original. You know, necessary isn't a good, I think, metric for whether you should or shouldn't do something in writing. And some authors get through their entire writing lives having a really friggin' horrible time, right? Unhappy, but still producing novels. And, and I would like something better for you than that. I think we can actually be more ambitious than you simply being an author who produces work of a publishable standard that is loved by readers. Maybe you could be a writer who really bloody enjoys their craft as well. These exercises, you know, they, they also stop you from taking yourself too seriously as the... Uh, if you'll forgive me <laughs> this little mild indulgence, but the, the Zen master Shinryu Suzuki so famously said, in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities, in the expert's mind there are few. Now, obviously, I would rather be operated on by a, a, a trained surgeon than a uh, complete beginner. But 
certainly in the world of the arts, uh, it's worth keeping your beginner's mind. I remember just over a decade ago, I stayed with a lovely couple and the husband told me about how he'd taken his wife cockle picking. Um, He was a bit of an expert. It was her first time. But after a while, he noticed that she was finding loads more cockles than him. And he told me he he watched her and he realised he knew what a cockle looked like. So he'd only bend down when he spotted one. She had no idea. So she was bending down and turning over everything. And so, of course, she found more because she didn't know what to expect. She didn't know that's not what a cockle looks like. She was a beginner. Every shell she saw contained possibility. This is the beauty of coming to writing semi-naive. You know, you don't discount ideas because they'd never work, because that's not how proper stories go, or because that's not the sort of story I write, or worst of all, that would never sell. None of those things are considerations because you're not a proper writer and you don't know. Look, the publishing industry is largely a big bundle of habit, energy and trend chasing anyway. It's run entirely by people who don't write. And a lot of them are wonderful, enthusiastic, hardworking people. I like many, many people from the publishing industry and they allow stories to get to readers. I have the greatest respect of them, but... With the greatest respect, they have no fucking business telling you what you should and shouldn't write. And you have no fucking business asking them what you should and shouldn't write. We can talk a bit more about this tomorrow, maybe, and how you might incorporate a few exercises into your weekly or monthly creative routine. I've got some suggestions you can try out depending on what fits around your lifestyle and proclivities. But enough of my holding forth. Let us write. So today's exercise is adapted from the author Andrew Cowan's book, The Art of Writing Fiction. I interviewed Andrew on the podcast a while back, and I really recommend listening to that episode. If you've got a spare hour or so, Andrew Cowan was one of my first creative writing mentors. I think I was 18, maybe. Um, I really admire his work, both as a writer and as a creative writing pedagogue, and he talks honestly about the ups and downs of his life in fiction, and he's full of great advice. Before we finish our time together, by the way, I'll give you some suggestions of creative writing resources you can dip into if you want more to read and do. You know, a few books you might like to check out from the library or buy so you can continue your education and and just get the opinions of some like other creative writing authorities. Because I, you know, I, I do my best here, but I can only, uh, as, as, as a single human being, represent the opinions of one human being. And uh, other people have got other experiences and can bring other expertise and advice to bear and that's going to necessarily broaden you it's going to be a bit great bit of cross training so i you know i recommend recommend it i I think you know education ought to be a lifelong pursuit and it's just really really fun and it's a good way of keeping you in that state of keeping yourself thinking that you're a beginner keeping that in your mind you know it's like it's not about just feeling kind of like mewling like a cub and going, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like going, oh, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Are there rules? Wow, cool. You know, like, of course we, we learn stuff, but we just don't start thinking of it as dogma, I think is the idea, really. You know, I'll put a link in the show notes to today's episode. That just means the text describing what the episode's about, you know, underneath whether you're listening to this in SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever 
I know some of you have sort of messaged me saying you're confused when I say show notes. I just say show notes because it makes me sound like I know. I didn't know until I started doing this. Um, but I'll put a link to Andrew's book um, if you can't wait until future episodes to order it. So first of all, if you could pick a piece of writing from one of the previous uh, 94 days we've done, um, probably not a list exercise, although frankly, even a list would work. Um, and what we're going to do today is similar to that exercise where you were taking the first sentence from a novel and transforming bits of it. Um, today, I'd like you to take the first three or four sentences from whatever piece you choose, give or take. Feel free to have a little pause now if you want to go and find one. But I'll just explain it now anyway. Um, you know, basically the first paragraph of whatever that piece is. And you're going to perform a series of transformations or substitutions. So the first change I'd like you to make is to go through the sentences and swap out the nouns and verbs for close synonyms. That is to say, swap out all the objects and concepts and all the actions for similar words. If you'll forgive me the mild social evil of quoting from my own work, I'll use the first sentence of my novel The Honours as an example, because I own the copyright so I can quote freely without fear of being slapped with a summons. So the original first sentence of The Honours is... The girl with the gun crouched, waiting. The girl with the gun crouched, waiting. Following the rules above, I might change that to The lass with the rifle knelt, lingering. That still makes sense. Although that final verb, waiting, is an edge case, actually, is probably wasn't the best opening line to use an example, because when I say crouched waiting technically waiting is being used as an adverbial clause that is it's it's modifying the verb crouched um it's telling us how she crouched and in a weird way it's also an adjective um because she is waiting the girl with the gun is waiting um it is so crouch she crouched waiting so really a it's complicated grammar isn't it so really a more accurate translation you know reflecting what that last word is actually doing is uh, the lass with the rifle knelt expectant which is odd because I've now switched a verb for an adjective which and that adjective is really an adverb I guess what I'm saying is English grammar is weird don't get too caught up with whether you've switched a noun or verb people will say you've done that wrong you're misusing semicolons fuck them can is it under is it comprehensible are you relatively consistent with your own work well it doesn't fucking matter then so if you can you know do that switching out the nouns and verbs with the three or four sentences you've got the next try doing the same but using synonyms from much wider categories so there i was using close synonyms um if we use go for broader categories instead of the girl with the gun crouched waiting we might have the whippersnapper with the hand axe lurked salivating there i've taken girl as part of the category young person gun as part of the category weapons crouched as behave surreptitiously and waiting as be full of anticipation does that does that sort of make sense so first you're swapping them for words that are very similar second you're swapping for words that are in the same area but broader so you can still hear the sentence there has an internal logic the the whippersnapper with the hand axe lurked salivating it's still a thing that could happen as far as you can try to preserve internal logic but but it's shifted into something more surreal again you know continue for the two or three or four sentences the whole paragraph if you can third have a go at doing the same again but making it alliterative the tyke with the trident tucked tremulously still makes a sort of weird surreal sense 
that's going to be tricky to sustain for two, three or even four sentences. But why not try, you know, see if you can make the content hang together and kind of have internal logic, even if it's a bit silly. Finally, and this is the one that requires a bit of an imaginative leap. See if you can replace the nouns and verbs with their opposites. Now, I freely admit most nouns and verbs don't have literal opposites. So this is in part an exercise in metaphor. So for me, the girl with the gun crouched waiting might become the boy with the bouquet rose impatient or the crone with the medicine flew hunting or the corpse with the bullet wound stretched departing. To repeat an oft-used creative writing saw, there are no wrong answers, just many possibilities. I think this final one can be a bit mind-bending, but in my experience it's lots of fun. So just to remind you, because that was quite a lot, take the first few sentences of one of your previous pieces, anyone will do, and then you're going to rewrite it four ways. Near synonyms, far synonyms, alliteration, that is to say making the nouns and verbs you change all start with the same letter, and finally, opposites. I'm going to give you 10 minutes, naturally. Remember, it doesn't matter if you get stuck. If you hit an absolute brick wall, you can always move on to the next category and come back to the toughie later. But even if you completely stack it and you don't finish all of these, fortunately, the fate of humanity doesn't rest on your success. So please, you know, have as much fun as you feel able to. Are you ready? The very best of luck to you. Three, two, one... Go.
and that's it you're finished you did it or at least some of it I hope that was interesting to you. I like. I really love exercises like this because they help me stop being too in love with logic and knowing exactly the reason, the reasoning behind everything. You know, when we learn all these rules, we can start to go, well, this has to be this because we've got to follow the rule of this. And this must be this because I want to make it shorter or simpler or this logically or this is what sounds right. Nah. Sometimes you can just stumble across stories or interesting phrases without really being able to construct an essay behind why you chose them and that's okay you know one fun exercise is to just take somebody's poem or one of your own and try to rewrite it using these techniques i'm not suggesting you plagiarize anyone i am aware that some competitions have been won by people who steal other people's poems and just swap the word heron for stork or something i'm not suggesting that but you know swapping out all the nouns and verbs for for example their opposites can create some really interesting surreal effects and when you change them that much the result is legit your own and this is another exercise that just helps you become super conscious of structure and syntax i think writing in english we often feel like tapestry weavers because we're so constrained by word order and grammar we've got all these little sort of cartilaginous words like and and then and would and but and the and Ah, swapping words in and out like this feels briefly like we're writing poems in Japanese or Mandarin where you're much more like a gem setter, you know, polishing uh, and socketing gleaming jewels. Only maybe some of them are cherries or boiled sweets. Okay, I'm getting hungry again. I'd better go. More hijinks of this nature tomorrow. I'll see you then. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.